I'm Sonia Rita, and this is Running on Optimism, the show for amateur runners, or really anyone, drawing inspiration from something or someone in their lives. Just a few days after I recorded this episode you're about to listen to, um, Marco and Izzy tested positive for COVID. My test came back negative, but I'm currently living without a sense of taste and without a sense of smell. Marco and Izzy are recovered and doing fantastic. Marco has gotten back to running, but diving right in, I'm really excited to share this conversation with you that I had with a friend of mine from college, Scott. We had a really wonderful time catching up. It's been a really long time since we've spoken and we kind of have reconnected through running. Scott's run seven Boston marathons and several other races and it was really fantastic to talk to him about his inspiration for running and how witnessing the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing inspired him to run the marathon the next year. So welcome, Scott. I'm excited to have you here on uh, Running on Optimism. Uh, Scott and I, we're friends from college, so it's been a while since we've seen each other. I think one of my favorite memories from college was being at the Blarney Stone, and it was 2003 ALCS, and the Yankees just beat Boston, and Scott and I looked at each other and realized that we needed to leave. Maybe that's the first time we actually ran together. We haven't actually run a distance, but we ran out of that bar. You, you know what's so funny is when, whenever I picture you in college, I picture you at the Blarney Stone, at the, the bar, from, yeah, from that night in the front of the bar. I can tell you exactly where we were standing, and uh, I remember that so clearly. And it's, it's like when I picture you in my head, it's that night that I picture yeah, so explanation, uh, we went to school in Worcester, Massachusetts, and maybe we're like one of four Yankee fans in the whole lot of the school. Everybody else is Boston fans, and if you know anything about baseball, then you understand what all of that means. Otherwise, um, you just have to look it up. <laughs> and we ended up, to be clear, like we ended up paying the price for our oh, yeah, right after that. Yeah, one year later, yeah. But it was a, it was a good year. It was a, and a, that was a a good night until we had to run up uh what was it maywood street yep and get yeah. away yeah yeah that's so funny i i wasn't going to say anything but that is absolutely the night <laughs> I think of what I think. that's my that's my favorite favorite memory i think actually um when i tell marco or izzy about your boston marathoning um i'm like yeah you know my best memory of scott is and i tell them that story and marco thinks it's absolutely hilarious that's i i love it i'm glad you have that memory too yeah. So um, I want to dive right in. Uh, I know, so Scott's run Boston just a few times, <laughs> but um, you know, you live in Boston and it's a big part of you now, right? So I want to talk a little bit about the Boston Marathon. I know you were there in 2013 during um, the bombing. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you live in Massachusetts and you grew up in New England, uh, as I did, I grew up in Connecticut, the, the Boston Marathon is such uh, an integral part of, I mean, everyone knows it. It's a, it's a big deal. They shut down this half the state for the, the race every, um, every year, uh, usually in April, this year, hopefully in October. They, 
it's really uh, people come into Boston, they line the course from beginning to end from Hopkinton all the way in. And so it's something that always um, kind of had this, this stature in my head, but I was never a runner. I was, I was a, like a, a high school shot putter. Uh, you oh, know, I didn't know that. Uh, I was never a runner. I, my 5k times were, I'd, I'd walk, run 5ks and do them plus 30 minutes. Okay. And it was never my thing. Um, and I had always kind of kept it. I started keeping it in the back of my head sometime in my 20s, wondering if I could ever do it, but not really knowing how. Um, and so in 2013, the, the woman I was dating at the time, her sister was running the marathon. Okay. And uh, I, was, I was sort of the driver for, um, for my then girlfriend and, and her family, a, and we were meeting her on the course in a few places. And it was, it was awesome. And I was like, wow, this is inspiring. I'd love to do this one day. And we saw her uh, about six miles in in Framingham. We saw her about halfway in, I think, in Wellesley. And then we drove in. Uh, we had passes for, to be in the grandstands okay. at the finish line. Oh, wow. And we, we drove in. We parked under the Prudential Center, which for people who know Boston is right on that finishing stretch and we got out and we're walking making our way up to the finish line to the grandstands and we we heard an explosion uh and it we you didn't know what it was you know in boston they they light cannons off at patriots games to celebrate touchdowns they yeah. there we saw paper flying and it looked like confetti um and it was one of those moments where, where time is elastic, you know, and I can remember the next 30 seconds, two minutes as if it was two hours. Uh, but the, the first one had gone off across the street and to the right of us. And then the second one went off almost directly across the street from us. And, uh, and it was chaos. It was complete chaos. And it was this beautiful day ruined. And I remember stunned runners, me trying to guide them to the finish line. I remember, um, you know, we trying to find the people I knew running to make sure they were okay. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, the whole day was chaotic. I mean, with, with the men at large. Yeah. And, and, and it was the next week that really was, was chaos. We were sheltering in place on and off. Um, I had a wedding up in New Hampshire that my family was late for because we had to shelter in place uh, for what became the, the final shootout in the end. Um, but that day itself, I mean, it was, people didn't know if there were more bombs. Yeah. People didn't know where anyone was. Cell service was impossible. We, we didn't know if we were going to track down um, my friend Robin, who was running for a while. My sister eventually found her and was able to bring her home. Mm. Um, it, it was cast and it was this beautiful day ruined. Yeah. Just the most celebratory day and, and just cut short, like in the most vicious way. It was, it was totally unfair. Um, and it was, it was kind of a catalyst for me in a lot of ways of what came next. Yeah. So, so you witnessed this and I can imagine, I mean, the way you're describing it and I, I was a freshman and you were a sophomore um, on 9-11 yeah. And with the cell phone service and all of that, it's, it's bringing 
kind of those, those memories back and um, that feeling of why. Right. And, and especially something like the Boston Marathon, like you said, it's a celebration. I mean, one of my favorite, most inspiring runners, Catherine Switzer, um, like she ran Boston and it just, you know, Marco's dream is to, to BQ. So, so from there, what made you decide to not be afraid? Because I mean, now you're running the Boston Marathon, but you witnessed this. How did you get through that fear? Well, first of all, Catherine Switzer is the best. I got to run behind her for a few miles oh, no. in one of the marathons. Her what, her 50th anniversary year, I believe. Yeah. Um, I ran behind her with the with uh, her iconic number two six one, and um, she was man. She's the best. She was drinking beers on the course. She's awesome. And and she had she was just awesome to run run behind for a while. Just an awesome experience. Um. So I, you know, I need to go back to go forward here a little bit. Okay. My, and we can come back to it as well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, my, uh, my father uh, died when I was um, 24, 25 or so. And I had friends who had run in memory of people. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about me thinking about running, I'd that's probably when I started getting a little more, at least thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so my mid-20s, my father died. I had watched other people run marathons and I thought maybe I could do this. But again, I was, you know, I was probably a little overweight and I was, uh, my 5K times again were, were nothing to, to write home about. And I couldn't imagine, I just didn't even know how to conceive of that amount of work to get to that place. Now, sorry to pause you, but your dad yeah. was a runner, right? No, oh, he okay. was—he was like your prototypical '80s jogger with the the headband and the short yeah. shorts. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't a runner. What I do have that I think you you might be thinking of is yeah. I have a, sh- a shirt of his. Well, we have a picture of him in a shirt um, from when he watched the 1976 okay. or 78 marathon. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which now my running coach, it was the year he won. And oh, so wow. there's kind of this cool thing where I know my dad probably watched my running coach run by him. And that's that, kind of a neat little. That's, connection. yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, so anyway, I would thought about it, but again, running a marathon, the, the work that goes in, in seems like it seems like in an insurmountable mountain. It just seems like, how do you even begin to conceive of it? Yeah. When you're, when you're uh, someone who runs four times a year and every summer is like, I should probably get in shape and you might go hit a treadmill a little bit and lift a little bit. But I, you know, my, I played some sports in high school, but I was never, uh, you know, quote unquote athlete. Yeah, I right? know that feeling. <laughs> that's, that's me too. Like I never yeah. ran before. And so how do you even start thinking about yeah. something that big? Yeah. I mean, three hours, four hours, five yeah. hours of running? Yeah. That's, um, um, I can totally relate. I mean, I haven't run it yet. And it's still a work in progress for me. But that idea, because I know it's going to take me five hours. Okay. And oh, you don't know that. Well, I guess you're right. I'm, it will not take me more than five hours, 
that part I know, I hope, right? right? Never mind. I'm just going to stop jinxing myself. But it is what it is. It is. Yeah. But I, I think, so when you talk about, to go back to your question, what was that catalyst moment? I mean, I remember it in my head very clearly, sitting on a floor of, of uh, the bathroom in my sister's apartment in Brighton, Massachusetts. And I had all day after that bombing kind of made sure that I was staying as, you know, uh, uh, taking care of everyone. Mm-hmm. in the way that I, I do and I sat on the floor of that bathroom and I kind of it was the first time I had let my emotions take over and I said to myself I'm going to run this this effing thing next year and I still didn't know what that meant but yeah. I was kind of like it was kind of like you know screw you guys who did this to us I'm going to prove to you that you can't take this race from us yeah yeah and once you put it out there once you say it you can't take it back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was in my head, and I didn't tell anyone for a long time, but in my head, that was the moment where I knew that I was going to be part of Boston's comeback in my own way. That's awesome. That's really incredible. And the, and the next year, it was uh, very rainy. It, was, it wasn't great. It wasn't yeah. great. <laughs> it was, uh, I've never, so I've run Boston every year since 2014. And except for this last year where I could choose my day because it was yeah. virtual, um, man, 2014 through 2019 were all just terrible weather one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really hot, wasn't? Yeah, which year was it that was incredibly hot? We've had hot, we've had rain, we've had freezing, we've had days that went between the two. Um, it's just been every single year has been something miserable. So I'm still doing my good, my good weather race. Yeah, you're you're waiting on it. Maybe October. I'm I'm hoping. Man, I'm hoping. I'm I'm hopeful too. I'm hopeful for for some more in-person races. So um tell me more about training for your first marathon. What um aside from the bombing and wanting to kind of take back your city, where where was your heart when you were training and, and what was your inspiration? Uh, my, my heart was in a place of doing about 180 beats a minute and <laughs> in my mouth and in my feet all at the same time. Um, I mean, I, rem- I remember that first like six mile run I took, eight mile run. I went to um, a neighborhood at the edge of Worcester that I knew no one I knew would see me on. Where? I, uh, up, up like you're heading into... Um, like off of Chandler Street, up near the reservoirs. Okay, yeah. Heading into, you know, uh, uh, Paxton or whatever that is, Holden yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, like, desolate. <laughs> yeah, uh, beautiful. But I, I did six miles up and down near the reservoirs where I knew people wouldn't see me because I, I didn't know what six miles was double my longest run I'd ever done, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, in high school when I ran, I, I was a thrower, so my longest runs might be a mile or three miles. But a six-mile run, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, yeah. So, so what did you, you didn't go from three to six. I went from three to probably four or five on a treadmill or like breaking it up. And then I was, I joined a team. So in memory of my dad, uh, my first two years, I ran for Brigham and Women's Hospital. Okay. And so I knew I was going to be 
once I had gotten to that point in, you know, the, the late summer, fall, I knew if I got on a team, there would be a training plan. Okay. And I knew most of the training plans started with like 10 miles. So I knew I had to work my way up. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, at least for like your first long run. And so I wanted to at least get to the place of like, okay, a 10 mile run is. Of course. Achievable. Yeah. You can't go from, from three to 10. Exactly. It's exactly. Inadvisable. <laughs> exactly. So running in memory of your dad, what, I mean, how does that drive you? I can, we all have our separate experiences. I mean, if you tell us more about your dad and how, how that drives you to complete these miles and how did that drive you to your first marathon? Again, like you have this, this idea, this daunting idea of running a marathon. Um, and how did your dad's memory kind of yeah. get you there? Well, you know, Sonia, I think there are some people I think who have, when they're fighting something insidious, some sort of illness, there are some people and you look at, you look at Izzy, you look at, um, look at my dad, there's some people who have sort of an innate inner strength the way they fight it and I, I you don't know where that comes from but it's inspiring right yeah and my dad was very much of like the you know it's not when you get knocked down it's how you get up kind of school yeah um and i watched him just for a long time my dad was sick for a long time but you never would have known it except for the moments where he was truly, you know, in the hospital sick. Um, and kind of thinking of like, okay, if he could go through that for whatever it was, 13 years, 14 years, and rarely complain, then what the hell's four hours for me, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if he could do that, then, then I could do this. Yeah. Um, and so, so your dad was battling this when, when we were in school together? Uh, yeah. And yeah. My dad, uh, my dad had a heart attack when he was 40 mm -hmm. and then he died at 50, uh, 54. Yeah. 54. So he, you know, 13, 14 years of, um, various cardiac yeah. stuff. Um, but he was just this incredibly, you know, memorable, strong, funny, inspiring guy who uh, I wanted to kind of do, do right by him. And, and also those first two years, Brigham and Women's had been a, an incredible place. And it was a little way of giving back to, to that hospital as well, which it also, by the way, um, and it's not who I run for anymore, but Brigman Women's did incredible work after the marathon, helping um, amputees and helping people who had been injured. And, and so, you know, to be a part of that sort of inspiring uh, team that next year um, was, was just remarkable. Well, let me just say that uh, I would have never known that you were that you had this at home when we were in college. And I think that in that way, you display that 
all right, let's, let's keep our chin up because Scott, you were always the most helpful person. I actually, my very first memory of you was when I was a, a senior in high school and mm -hmm. I came and I came up to Clark and, um, and you showed us the, uh, the freshman dorms on my tour. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that is my very first memory of you. you. And you still went there. That's amazing. <laughs> um, that's nice of you to say. I mean, yeah, there, there were, and, and we don't need to go back to college, but there were, there were uh, you know, Friday nights I would go out and then Saturday wake up at, you know, early in the morning and, and drive up to Boston or take the train into Boston to be with my mom and dad and sister at the hospital. And then, you know, Sunday, come back down. Um, yeah. There were, there were a lot of nights I missed out on stuff or whatever, but it was just what it was. But uh, it's not missing out because you got that time with your dad. No, exactly. so you, didn't, you didn't miss out on anything. And, and I couldn't do two nights in a row some of those weekends. <laughs> yeah. No. I was probably saving myself, honestly. <laughs> yes. Yes. For, for the later marathon running. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would, have been, it would have been even more I had to work through. So what's one thing that stuck out to you that first running that very, very first marathon? What were your nerves like? And I ask this. Yeah. Um, for myself, <laughs> because like, I can't imagine saying, all right, well, now I'm going to run 26.2 miles. I'll see you later. Yeah. So I'll say two things. First of all, I can't wait. And, and you and I have sort of, it's, it's funny because we were friendly in college. We weren't like, we weren't close or tight, Yeah. but we always liked each other and, and we're friendly. Again, yeah. when you have the, you're in Red Sox country and you're a Yankees fan, we got to stick together. Exactly. Um, and we sort of rekindled over the past few years over social media, this sort of running affinity with each other. I can't wait until you do your first marathon, Sonia, for a few reasons. First of all, when you're training, that experience of almost every Saturday being the longest run you've ever done mm -hmm. is incredible. It's just every week you have a sense of accomplishment that you will probably never have again in your life. Yeah, agreed. This morning, actually, I was thinking, I don't remember why, but I was thinking and I reminded myself that I've run a half. Now, half of a full, I mean, I still got another 13 miles to go, so um, I'm not even quite halfway there. But the fact that I have pushed myself, I think I was reflecting actually on, on last week the last episode, um, I'm sorry, two episodes ago uh, for my birthday. Um, and just kind of going through that story again in my head where with that mile nine, I was done and somehow made it those last four miles. So it's just a matter of um, kind of taking care of some nagging injuries I have. And, and I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. I'm excited for the hurt. If that makes sense. I think you could probably understand that, right? Totally. And isn't that the coolest thing that like, I mean, we're, we're in our thirties now yeah. and our second half of our thirties. Yeah. I was going to say, let's, let's be honest. And, <laughs> um, the last third of our thirties, if we want to be very specific and to do something that you've never done before. I mean, I, I hate to put it this way, but those of us who kind of choose this, this path are, there aren't many people who in their thirties get to say, I've accomplished something that I've never done before in my life physically. That's yeah. awesome. 
I, I am with you 100%. I think, you know, you run in your dad's memory and I run in honor of Izzy. I want her to know that I'm never going to stop growing. I'm yeah. never going to stop challenging myself because I never want her to stop challenging herself. I, I've never been one for stagnation and much less than she came along. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that sort of circle of you inspiring her, her inspiring you. I mean, that's so beautiful. And um, it's such a cool thing to watch grow on social media. And as she gains more kind of awareness of, of the things you do and why you do them, it's just so neat to watch. Yeah, she is incredible. Um, she's got big dreams. And um, I figure why not dream for myself? I mean, even starting this podcast, at the beginning, she would come, if I'm sitting there editing something, um, she'd come over and give me a hug and just say, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, she's seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's, I mean, always been, she's always had this like wise beyond her years. Yeah, her. yeah. Um, I think too, Sonia, when you do your first marathon, and I really hope you do Boston one day. Uh, I would love if Boston's the one you do. But when you do that, that marathon, there is nothing in the world, like, especially in a big marathon, like if you do New York or Boston, there is nothing in the world, like the first time you near that finish line. It is breathtaking and you feel the cool thing about the marathon. There's so much cool stuff about it. But one of the things that I love is when you make that turn in Boston onto Hereford and then onto Boylston and that you hear the roar of the crowd or you're coming off the bridge in, in the New York marathon, the same kind of feeling. And it feels like you're entering the Coliseum, right? You have tall buildings and the people are stacked 20 deep on each side of the road for a mile up. And it's just this, you feel the roar. You don't hear it. It's, it's in you. But the cool thing is you're also following in the footsteps of some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. And there is no other sport where I'm not going to go shoot hoops at, yeah. at, the, at Madison Square Garden, right? Yeah. I'm not going to get to hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. Uh, but I get to run in the footsteps of Meb and Dez and, and you know, Catherine Switzer and, and – uh, you know, Shailene, and, and I get to follow all of these kind of heroes on the same day, on the same course, in the same arena. And that's awesome. And the people are cheering as loud or louder for me than they were for them. That's such that's a cool a, thing. That is such a cool point. I, I never thought of it that way. But when, um, when we went to see Marco in NYC, yeah. um, we got there just as the elite men were passing where we were and it was it was like having f like like front row tickets at like the basket like the biggest yeah. like basketball game or like you're down the line at yankee stadium they're just right in front of you and that's such an incredible thought that you know an hour or so later marco ran those same i yeah. saw him right there running those same streets that's man that's really exciting that that uh that puts more new goals in my head 
where uh, where did you guys watch him? I, I I listened to that podcast that you did with him, but where were you guys actually watching him? We watched him, and I'm pulling up a calendar. And while I do, I mean, um, a map, um, because I forget. Um, it was on the back half of the race, though, right? Yeah, we saw him after I believe we saw him after mile seventeen, eighteen, and then we went over to uh, out just as he got out of uh, Central Park, we made it right over. Cool. Um, so seeing him the first time, I think was the most exciting. The second time was a little bit more crowded. And yeah. like at that point, I was just like so like hyped up for everything and, and nervous for him to finish. But seeing him that first time, I think mile 17, 18, um, it was incredible. Like it just, the energy is amazing. The running community is so beautiful. I always think of Legally Blonde about endorphins. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I didn't get that reference. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I got it on VH VHS at a store 24 my freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> We're dating ourselves. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I do want to I do actually want to run Boston someday. I want Marco to, you know, have his BQ. I want, um, but I do want to run Boston someday. I want, you know, as I left Massachusetts long, long ago, but your college years are your formative years. And, yeah. you know, it was the first place I lived on my own. So I think the whole, you know, as much as I don't love New England sports, I love New England. <laughs> yep. And Boston is just kind of like the apex of, of, you know, celebrating Boston. Yeah. And this is, it's such a running community and people here understand it. Um, and they, they understand it's important. I mean, even when you're out training, this has got to be one of the only places where people cheer you on for training. Oh, that's I, so awesome. I, I, was, I was out wearing my marathon jacket, uh, over the weekend. I did a, um, like a, a I don't know how far I was going that day, 10, I guess. And a random guy on the street was like, hey, hey, buddy, you run Boston? I said, every year, sir. He's like, I'm proud of you. You keep going, okay? That stuff happens regularly here. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. wow. That's, that's, that's what I love about this sport. And what a sweet man. Yeah. And yeah, maybe a little out of his mind, but oh, but still. like I like it. I like out of his mind. That's great. <laughs> but it's, but it's also the elite. Like no matter how fast you are, we're all one community, right? Yeah. That's what I love about this. Is we before the pandemic, a few of us started a um a charity night run in uh, a Thursday night run for charity runners out of a bar owned by a kid I grew up with in Boston, uh, Fenway Johnny's near uh, Fenway Park, and. We, we had good group. A lot of the people from the team I run for now, Dana Farber, uh, Marathon, um, but also from some other teams. There are people in that group who are BQers who qualify for Boston every year. Mm -hmm. There are people who walk, run six, seven hour marathons. And it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. We all, and it, people all kind of know, hey, what was your time? Hey, that's a great run for you. Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. I think that's the amazing thing about running. What you just said, it is a great run for you. You can't, right. I mean, the main thing I've learned is not to compare to anyone else. 
Exactly. Your run is your run and, and you PR yourself. You, it, it's about your relationship with your body and understanding how all of it feels when you're doing, when you're feeling good and how all of it feels on your bad days. Yeah. And, and you don't always know, right? Like, yeah. and you have to honor that a little bit too. I, I, today That's- I did two miles this morning and it was miserable. I, I felt like garbage, but over the weekend I went out, I ended up having a woman I went to high school with who is like a competitive college runner past me running. And I decided I was going to keep up with her for a mile and a half so I could, you know, talk about high school with her. Yeah. And I was doing like, you know, seven and a half, seven forty-fives for two miles with her. And I was dead after, but I also kept up. Yeah. You just never know what the run's going to give you that day. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you're constantly improving. I mean, even on the days that you have a bad run, you're still improving because you still got out there for that bad run. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I was streaking. I was doing just a mile a day. Yeah. And I'm doing that right now. Yeah. It, all it took was a mile. Yeah. Like it was easy enough. Marco is actually streaking. Uh, March 22nd will be a year. Oh, cool. Um, but now, so I, I was running every day and then Marco and I, once Izzy was able to have two days of in-person school, Marco and I decided that, all right, why don't we run together? And the first run was rough. He pushed me a bit. I PR'd my 10K. And then we started talking while running, which sounds really silly, but for me, that was such a huge accomplishment yeah. to talk while running seven yeah. miles. It was, it was so fun. And I could see in him how proud he was of me. And we got to just kind of shoot the shit about stuff, anything. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I love that you guys have that. And, um, you know, my wife and I, she's, she's run like 20 marathons. She's really? out of mind. Oh, yeah. All Boston or just different? No, ones? no. She's run um, all around, everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's actually running is part of our story. We, we met at a, an event and she said she was trying to run. My sister introduced us just to be friends. And she said she wanted to run a half marathon in Cuba, but no one would go with her. And I said, no, I'll go to Cuba. That sounds great. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, let's go to Cuba. And I ended up three months later traveling to Cuba with this woman I didn't know running a marathon. A half That's marathon. awesome. Yeah. Wait, ran- did you run it? Yeah, we both ran a half. You did? Oh, I, I knew that you went to Cuba. I, yeah. I think I knew about this, the, the race, but I didn't realize you ran it too. That's awesome. Yeah. She, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny. It's actually, she carried me through that race. I mean, she's, her PRs, uh, her marathon PR is better than mine. Um, you know, there, there have been races she's carried me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, lately she had major um, leg surgery a couple of years ago. So she's been recuperating. I carry her now in some of the runs. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's all good, you know, and it's, we each do our own thing. Sometimes we start together. Sometimes we'll start separately and I'll meet up with her. Um, one of the coolest things though, is that we were each streaking right now. And so a few nights a week, we do a mile together. And that moment of both of us kind of decompressing from the day 
but being able to be together yeah. is, is really, it's kind of a special thing that I missed when she was unable to run. It, it really is. I think, um, you know, there are things that can, that bring you closer together and running has definitely done that. I mean, Marco and I are, are very close. We've got, you know, we've made it through a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, um, running is just kind of a bonus and I've said it before, but another thing that kind of indicates how running is such a like personal thing in a way is that when Marco needs a run where he needs to slow down, I'm not offended that he chooses to run with me. Right. Like I'm glad I can help because at the same time I'm, I'm slowing him down and he's speeding me up and we're meeting in the middle and we have like a beautiful running compromise. Yeah. The, the one rule we've made for each other is that we try to set out at the beginning of the race, like what the, the run or race, what mm -hmm. the intention is. Uh, because one race where I thought we were both just going our hardest, she thought we were casually running a 5K together. Oh. And I, I, I screwed that one up. That one's on me. <laughs> so that, that hasn't happened since. Yeah, we... um. Marco helped me PR. Uh, we did a virtual 5k for, for, um, childhood cancer. Um, yeah. and, uh, he helped me PR that 5k and I thought it was going to vomit. <laughs> like at the end, he's like, I really think he's like, I was a little scared, but I really think that I could have helped push you a little more. He's like, I didn't want to, but I could see it in you. You had more. And him just saying that I was like, damn, then maybe I did. Let's, let's do this again. I haven't been able to since I've, again, I've been dealing with just some nagging nonsense, yeah. um, that I'm working through, but it's really been a lot of fun to have running between us. And not only that, but again, having Izzy see us getting out there and getting after it. And what a great lesson for her too. Like as she, as she gets older, I mean, she's, you know, I, I run for Dana. I, I want to talk about Izzy yeah. for a minute. Um, yeah, I run for, for Dana Farber now uh, to raise money for, for um, cancer research. And one of the things that I've started doing is I carry names with me uh, of people. And it's, I dedicate each mile to someone. In the past few years, I, give a, I always give them a mile that I know is going to hurt to Izzy. Because uh, it, it always, like, she, just watching her grow up the past several years on social media, has been so incredible and so inspiring that, um, I mean, she's why, you know, she's why people like us run. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, so Scott, uh, had Izzy's name on his singlet, um, in 2019. Yeah. Cause that was the last one that you were able to run in person. And, um, I showed Izzy, and I showed her because I want her to know that people are cheering her on because she has her bad days. Of course, she, she lives with pain. She lives with frustration about her inability to do certain things. But what lifts her up is knowing that people here at home, people at school, where, anywhere and all the way out in Boston, people are, are, have her back. And I think that it's, it's part of her healing. And honestly, Scott, it's part of mine and Marco's healing too. Well, I mean, you, you know that the, look, there are a lot of us from Clark who have never met Izzy. 
um, but you see the comments on your posts and clearly you guys and she have touched so many of us. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really special to watch. Um, and look, you know, but before the, before we started recording, Sonia, you and I were talking a little bit about like, why do we do this? Like no one, especially when you start talking the longer races, like half marathons, marathons, you don't, you don't choose to do that because you mentally are completely sane <laughs> because you have it all together. Yeah. You do it because you have something pushing you or, or dragging you or you got something to prove. You have a chip on your shoulder. You need to, you're inspired, but there's something that's affecting you. No one, no one runs a marathon who doesn't have a reason to. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, I think it's been one of the, the most inspiring things for me in running is hearing these stories all along the way from other runners. And again, in Boston, it's such a running community. If you're out on the marathon course any Saturday or Sunday between January and April, there are hundreds of people out training and running. Uh, and I now live right on the course, so I, I see it every day. It's pretty cool. But I've, I've met people just running up the hills of Newton and said like, hey, what are you out here? Why are you, why are you running? Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to tell one. So my wife and I were running together one day up the hills and we said that to someone, hey, why are you running? And this guy ends up telling us this 20 minute story about how he had been in a coma when he was right after he was born at one point and again when he was like 10 or 12 and he had almost died a few times and oh he had had all of these illnesses and, and, you know, lost use of limbs and was paralyzed for a number of years. And, and he's out there running his like fourth Boston marathon training. And I'm, I mean, and this guy, this guy was, you know, he had physical limitations, he had issues, but he was out there getting it done. And you see people who run with, on prosthetics, you see people who walk the entire thing because of injuries. And the, there is no greater show of the human spirit than a marathon. And there's nothing better to prove that people do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's our family motto. You can do hard things. It yeah. is. Um, I think that it's hard to understand unless you've seen it. Now I've never, uh, of course I haven't done a marathon myself, yeah. but I've seen it. I've seen, you will. I see Marco train for his, I saw Marco train for his first marathon and it was an incredible transformation. I think um, marathon training taught him a lot about himself and helped him find, you know, his coping mechanism helped him. Not that he, he lacked confidence. I, I, there's a, I guess a je ne sais quoi. There's a, I don't know what it is, but watching him go through marathon training was transformative. And, um, I think that a lot of hours alone out there coaching yourself, right? I, it's a lot of you telling you, you've got this, no? Yeah. And you, you start bringing 
I've never been one for like mantras or anything, but you start doing mantras. You start, you, you really, you have to think positively to get through these things. Um, and I've brought that into, you know, I, I help run a small uh, marketing agency in Boston now. And it's the lessons I've learned from running have come into my professional life. They've come into my personal life. Um, that ability to break down a long training season or a long race into components to use positive thinking, to get through the hardest moments. Um, You know, it's, it's vital. So, you know, so now, um, so the last actual Boston that you ran was 2019. I mean, not actual, but like the last one where you're on the uh, Boston course was 2019. Yeah. Um, and you did it virtually, but you didn't, did you do it on Patriots day virtually? No. Um, I, I didn't do it right on Patriots day. I did it the way Boston did it last year is you could choose what day you wanted to run it within like a, a 14 day window. Okay. So I did it, uh, I did it, I think a week early. Uh, so actually, no, let me, let me go back. It was in September because they initially pushed the race from April to September. That's right. And then they had a 14 day period in September. You could run it. So, um, I picked a day right before my birthday, uh, got it done. I checked the weather, made sure it was amenable to me. Um, and, and some, some people I know did it in groups, small groups. I, I really wanted to see, could I do 26 miles totally by myself? And how that, how did that feel? Because I know you love the, the, the energy from, from the race itself. So how was running it alone? It was hard. It was really hard. Being alone with your thoughts for that long is, uh, my brain's, uh, you know, a, a, a noisy place. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a lot. Um, you know, Rachel was out there every couple miles getting me water. I had a few friends who came out and cheered me on. What was really neat is even on that day when not a lot of people were running, there were still there were still a handful of fans out there cheering on different runners, and they were moving around a lot. So there are some people I saw four, five, six times. Okay. Um, and I had enough friends come out that there was a little bit of a caravan towards the end of like six to eight cars cheering me on. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and they some of the neighbors' kids drew a finish line for me in our neighborhood and. They set up some ribbons. So when I finished, there was like 20, 25 people there. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, that's it was awesome. Pretty cool. I, one of my running friends ran the last mile with me um, to get me. I was struggling yeah, hard. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. That's awesome. So this year, the race is in October? They're, yep, they're going for Columbus Day this year. Okay. And um, so how does your training, because now you're training in the summer. I mean, in the past you were training, you, you know, cooler weather. Now your training is yeah. going to be in the summer. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably do a lot of late nights, early mornings. I, I love late night runs through neighborhoods. Okay. Uh, there's something about like a, a kind of a summer night where there's no one out and it's just you and empty streets that I, there's something really magical about that to me. One of the things I've started loving that I'm curious about with you too is 
I've started really loving using running as a, a way to explore new places. And it's not just about getting the run in all the time anymore. Sometimes now it's like, if I travel or with, with by myself or with Rachel or even in Newton, just like a way to explore new neighborhoods. Yeah, I um, I get apprehensive when we're in new places. That's, um, yeah. I, and it's, it's the unfortunate, um, side effect of running while female. Um, I do get apprehensive running in new places. Uh, we were down in Cape May, New Jersey last summer. And not only I get apprehensive, not just running while female, but also I just, um, have become kind of a nervous kind of person. Um, I don't it happens know. when you're a mom. It happens. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, you know, I'm not even going to blame, like, everything that Izzy's been through. No. From the moment I knew I was having a baby, I suddenly became my mom. Just nervous about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I want you, I want to ask you more about, um, you know, running for Dana-Farber. So now you've been running for Dana-Farber for how many years? Um, so I, I did 2014 and 15 with Brigham and Women. So uh, 2016 on, I've been with Dana Farber. So whatever that is, uh, <laughs> five years with so far with Dana Farber. So with Dana Farber, you visited. I know you've. How? What? What's the process? Because you've been to the hospital or. or... Yeah. So Dana Farber is. It's an incredible, an incredible place. Um, my wife and sister both work at Dana Farber. I have uh, family and friends who've been, have been treated there um, and just a, an inspiring place. And so the, the Dana-Farber team is in one of the biggest, it is the biggest Boston Marathon charity team most years. Oh. Uh, and, you know, we, as we were talking earlier, everyone on that team has a story. Mm-hmm. Either they're a survivor themselves, they have a family member who they're running uh, in honor of or in memory of, a loved one. Uh, just one of the most inspiring group of 400 people you can ever be around. 400? Yeah, we have about, depending on the year, 300, 400, depending wow, on. Wow, yeah, wow. We're a big team. Um, I don't know what it'll be this year, but. Um, and so I was lucky enough when I went to Cuba, it was with the a bunch of people from the team who I got friendly with and I was debating if I wanted to keep running or take a year off and they encouraged me to apply. Uh, and so I did. And it's just, you know, they, every dollar we raise goes toward directly towards innovative basic cancer research. And every year we see the direct impact of the money we raise. We have scientists come and talk to us. We have survivors and family members come talk to us. And it's amazing to know that what I'm doing through whatever neuroses I have mm-hmm. is having this direct, amazing impact yeah. uh, and saving lives. It's just, it's, it's awe-inspiring. Yeah, it's like um, more, I guess, more bang for your miles, right? Like more meaning in your miles. You're, you're running in honor of your dad. You're running because you're inspired by, uh, you know, Izzy and other warriors. And on top of that, you're doing something to impact change. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, having, having my sister and my wife work there, 
I, I hear the stories of, of the work they're doing. They're, I run with a couple of physicians from Dana-Farber too. And they, it's not like they're, you know, they're, we all know nonprofits and fundraisers who it's, it's a, they say there's an impact. This is one where there is a direct impact between what we do and, and lives that are saved and research that is done. Um, and also the awareness. I mean, and you hear in that, that accent, when you run Boston wearing a Dana-Farber jersey, yeah, uh, singlet, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you get that great Boston accent the whole course. Like everyone knows the hospital. You get Dana-Farber, go yeah. Dana-Farber. I was hoping you'd do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, look it out for you. Um, <laughs> And it's the same thing if you wear a Boston Children's shirt or Brigham and Women's, whoever it is. But that that Dana Faba really, uh, it, it's a special sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really incredible. And um, from the mama of a survivor, I thank you because you guys raise so much money. I mean, I see your goals. Um, you, you guys do a lot, and you're you're really out there. And I see all your social media posts. And um, so thank you. Um, yes. Well, thank, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, uh, you know, people on my team know about Izzy. We all talk to each other about who we're running for, who are on our singlets, what the stories are. We do banners for survivors. We all sign names and, and, and get them banners and people who are going through treatment. And, um, you know, it's, we need those stories to keep us running. Again, it's a circle. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you guys have been so open with your story. And, and even now, as you give Izzy a little more autonomy in how her story is told. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really special that you guys have, have shared yourselves the way you have with, with the world. Yeah. And I hope um, that it will also help her own it because um, she's a powerful little kiddo and I want her to harness that power um, for good. Did, did she come to you with that request? Yeah, yeah, she, um, you know, cause we have our own nonprofit. Uh, we mm-hmm. have Izzy's Infantry and um, she seemed to be a little uh, squeamish at times about stuff that I was talking about and um so i kind of she in not so many words and i think maybe she just didn't know how to verbalize that she needed kind of a break so but i can sense it so i approached her about it and um she said that she loves the work that we do with izzy's infantry she enjoys sharing her story um when we go to events but that she just kind of she doesn't want to to have to do it that much. Now the other day she asked us when it when our next gala is, and I'm like, um, you said right, <laughs> like okay. And luckily, you know, with COVID, I'm like not this year, because I think we could all we all just kind of need a break, sure, um, reassess, regroup, um, and just kind of live after Izzy was in the hospital. Uh, for halo gravity traction um, in 2019, I think that I came to realize certain things about her prognosis that maybe I was willfully blind about, um, not, not in terms of the tumor, but in terms of what um, her abilities or, or disability is gonna look like. And so 
I also kind of have to regroup and, and just kind of mom and also just kind of be me. Right. And running has definitely helped me work through a lot of that stuff. And I think, you know, this podcast too. And she said, you know, when you do the podcast, I'm, I'm not sure I want you to share so much about me. And I explained to her that I'm not going to share details, but that her, she's, she's a part of my story too. So my mother, she's my one and only. So my mother, her journey is, is this, right? Um, she's shaped my perspective or maybe harnessed it. Maybe, you know, I, I always say I've always been this person. I just needed to harness that. Um, so it's, it's kind of the, the line between, um, her journey and my own story as a mom kind of gets blurred sometimes, but I'm careful to honor her request. That's, that's special. Um, you said one thing in there. I'm actually curious. I'm flipping the tables on you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you said one thing in there. I'm curious about, I'm always curious about this with other people who run is, uh, there's, so there's a great book on running by, um, Murakami, who's a, a great author I love, and he, uh, he wrote this book called On, I think it's called On Running. Okay. Uh, and he talks about, like, people always ask him, what do you think about when you run? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like I, I don't think of much. I, like, observe and I think of clouds, but I don't think of much. Do you work through problems when you run, or is it the endorphins just make everything seem easier after the run for you to work through? I, I do a little bit of everything. I think it depends on, so because my schedule is so um, hectic, I, I don't really have much time for myself. So some days like I get out there for the run and I'm doing it because I know I need to just get it done. And those are the worst. I hate, hate going out for the run because I have to get it done. That's the worst. You're not getting the, the, the therapeutic um, benefits of running. And sometimes on those days I think about, um, you know, what am I going to make for dinner? Wow. There's a lot of laundry. Um, (laughs) You know, I think about, okay, I have to take Izzy to therapy or, you know, if there's a, there's a doctor's appointment coming up a lot of times, those are the times that I think about all the questions I want to ask the doctor, my observations about how she's doing. Um, and then there are some times that I do just observe the, the trees <laughs> while I'm out there. And maybe sometimes I actually cry while running. I release a little bit, um, a little bit of everything. What about you? I think a little bit of everything. I think it's evolved. I used to like need to listen to podcasts or music. Um, there, are, there are times where I find it almost meditative now. And mm-hmm. that's been interesting because I never thought I would get there. Yeah. Uh, and there are times where, you know, when your head's totally empty, sometimes the solutions to things come to you. And I find that happening more and more. And it's, it's kind of fascinating to me that that happens. Um, I also think just sometimes the sense of accomplishment makes me feel better and work through things better anyway. Like it's a little different now in our late thirties, but there are definitely times when I started out where, 
I used to drive up from Worcester to Boston at like 6 a.m. to train on every Saturday. And there are times where like, you know, by noon, I had driven up to Boston, run 15 miles, gotten lunch, gone grocery shopping, and was back in Worcester. And I had friends who were waking up from a hard night out the night before. And there's nothing that feels better than someone waking up hungover on your couch and you've done all that already. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, any any day that you get up and you're, you're productive is, is a good day, right? I think um, being able to do that too when you're younger is, is harder. Sure. Or doing it at the end of the day. Like, I, you know, running after work sometimes. It's when I, I you know, running three or four after work sometimes, I'm like, okay. I've now figured out everything that I couldn't figure out today with that little run. Yeah, I found recently, or maybe in the fall, I was running. Actually, it was after Marco and I started running together, and I uh, neither of us obviously would run with anything in our ears. That way, we can talk. Um, and then one day, I was like, "Well, if I can do this with Marco, why can't I just go out without anything in my yeah. ears?" And it was so liberating. So like, I'm very much, um, I guess a dreamer, an optimist, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm hopeful. I look for the beauty in everything and running without anything in my ears definitely afforded me more of an opportunity to meditate on that lately. And maybe, um, it's coming out a little bit, honestly, I, I'm annoyed by my injuries. So mm-hmm. Um, lately it's just been like the struggle bus is departing the house and then I go out, run my run and get back the day before Thanksgiving, Marco and I went out for a nine mile run and at mile seven, I think I got this shooting pain like up the front of my shin and I walked a little bit, ran a, a little bit, walked a little bit, ran a little bit, and Marco actually had to just take a shortcut, run home, and get the car because oh, that was that too was much. too much. Yeah, and uh, ever ever since that run, it's been the absolute struggle bus, like well, on and off, just struggle bus. But here's the thing: is like there are some people who they'd have that injury and they'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to stop running for a long time." You're still like, "I need to get out there and do this." There's something pushing you. It's Izzy. It's Izzy pushing me every time. Not, and I see that, but you know what? It's also me. Like, I want to run this damn marathon. <laughs> like, right. I just want to run this damn marathon. I want, I want to prove to myself. I don't have to prove anything to anybody else. I want to prove to myself that, I guess in a way, as much as I know I'm a runner, I want to prove to myself that I'm a runner. Is that? Yeah, and, and what what better accomplishment than like the, not the longest race, but like the longest standard race there is. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Sonia. This was great. This was awesome to catch up around something that we both love. Yeah. Yeah. And um, thank you for sharing uh, your experiences and um, good luck in training. Thank you. And fingers crossed for an in-person race this fall. I'm hoping. I, I miss, I miss running with people. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, Sonia. Take care. You too. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing me to share these really great stories of everyday road warriors or people in fitness. 
I've been really enjoying connecting with. If you like what you hear, let me know. If there's something else you want to hear, also let me know. I would love any kind of feedback and be sure to tune in uh, next time on Running on Optimism. Thank you.